And we're recording. What's going on, everybody? My name right here is Russ, and I have this little old Dapper Dividends podcast. The, uh, As we say around here, I was just joking around, the world-famous Dapper Dividends podcast here in the Dapper Dividends world headquarters. What that means, I don't know. But what I do know for certain is we got Craig, Mr. SCHD Stan in the house, and we're going to talk some SCHD. And then we might get to a few stocks that we're looking at and picking up. So the dude, my man, he has the cred. He is almost 100K deep into SCHD. He has almost 1,300 shares of SCHD as well. So, Craig, say hello to everybody. Everybody say hello to Craig. Tell us uh, how you got into SCHD, where you're from, what do you do, whatever you want to tell us about your pretty little self. All right. Thanks a lot, Ross. Like always, it's great to be here again. Second time on the show, so I'm really uh, thankful for inviting me back. Um, you know, if you watched the last one, you might have heard a little bit about me, but just a little catch up if you did it. Um, I'm originally from Canada. I was born in Saskatchewan. I grew up in a little town called Sault Ste. Marie in northern Ontario. Went to school in Windsor, which is close to Detroit uh, border. I then, after that, after school, I worked in uh, Toronto and Scarborough area. And then I settled down in Stouffville, Ontario, little town. And then before six years ago, moving to starting everything back up in Florida, in South Florida now near uh, Fort Lauderdale. So I've been invested for over 20 years, but really didn't start getting into it on my own, picking my own stocks until uh, 2018, when, like a little bit after moving to Florida. So that's when I and that's when I bought my first SCHD um, shares, everybody's favorite dividend growth ETF. Um, you know, it gets a lot of hype. Uh, some of that hype is wearing off because it's not doing as well as it has in the past, but uh, we're here to talk about all of that. So I know some people are scared, you know, is it good? Why is it not performing as well as the S&P anymore? And, you know, the, all these different feelings about it. And there's a lot of fear. And I'll, I want to jump in there with that, with it not performing as well as the uh, S&P. So actually the one-year performance, well, total return, the S&P is at 13%, SCHD is at about 5%. We got a three-year total performance of 45% for the S&P, 52% for SCHD. So SCHD has it on the three-year. And then at the five-year, they're about even, 76 uh, 77% for the S&P 500 and 74% for SCHD. And then we'll just look at the 10-year. SCHD, 201%. SPY, 221%. Those are total returns. I want to ask you, I don't know if you're like me, and some people might say, so why even bother investing in SCHD if looking 10 years out that it has slightly underperformed the S&P 500? And Personally, for me, one of my goals here, and I, you guys know I always keep saying this, is to essentially one day try to live off the interest and never have to touch the principal and have more of a nest egg to pass on to the kids, to future generations, whoever's around. So I don't know. Do you kind of feel the same way that, that you like to... Uh, think about not having to sell stock, but still receive income. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a huge part of it. Uh, there's that. And that is just something it's it's something to further diversify your investments. You know, we um, I, I'm really big on investing in the S&P and, and some of the bigger stocks out there, like the dividend ones and some growth ones as well. So having something like SCHD as a still like a core but doesn't have to be all, but like a nice big chunk really stabilizes things. And like you said, it gives you that income that you can pass to your family members without 
you can use it when in retirement and then pass it on to your kids and they can pass it on to their kids while it continues to grow in the background. You know, it's a beautiful thing and you don't have to sell any shares. So that is a, a really big part of what I invest in. But and, and again, one of the reasons why I stuck with it and added, decided to add so many shares of it is because it's different from the S&P and because it's, you know, Apple, those big stocks, they're in every they're in every ETF out there. So if you're looking for another ETF that's not the S&P 500, it's a good place to start looking. And when you see the how it's been able to keep up with the S&P, how it uh, its dividend growth that it has, its starting yield now, it's, it's, you know, what's not to love, really? Really, for a big ETF, really nice dividend growth. The S&P 500 has uh, some interesting growth, 7% 20-year CAGR, 5% five-year, and 9% last full year. And the S&P SPY has a dividend yield of 1.43%. But we jump in, look at SCHD, 3.45%. But when we get to the dividend growth, a 12% 10-year CAGR, so blowing away the S&P, 14% five-year CAGR and a last full year of 14%. So for income investors like us, I think that it is just just a really nice thing to have. And I think you'll agree. So again, you're about almost 100K deep into SCHD. Is this one of your core positions? Is this your biggest position? How much of this portfolio or how much of SCHD does your portfolio uh, does it make up of that? Yeah, yeah. People ask that a lot. It's a it's a really popular question. It, it's it is my biggest single investment, other than four hundred one k stuff. So the S and P five hundred type indexes are would be my number one, and then even including all the retirement stuff, SCHD is number two. Uh, actually, sorry, number three because I have another big one in um, in Canada, which I sold a mutual fund and put it all into. Uh, I was looking for the SCHD of Canada. So for Canadian listers, that uh, my search did end on something called VDY. And it's a Vanguard Canadian high dividend yield ETF. And it's got a nice starting yield. Uh, we won't deal with it too much because most of your viewers are probably uh, American. But still, I know there's some Canadians out there like Shamir. I wonder if Mike Haro, the dividend guy, do you ever listen to him? Yes, I wonder I if he's done anything on it. Yeah, it's got a nice 8% dividend growth, 45 starting yield. It's solid. It's got all the biggest companies in Canada, which most of them are dividend payers in Canada. Canada's very like stable, slow growth. So it's 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 quite nice. So anyway, so SHD would be number three of like individual investments. And it still only makes up um, about twelve percent. When you started buying SCHD, you showed you shared with me your first tranche was about forty-seven dollars or so in May of twenty eighteen, and that would give you a yield on cost right now of almost I think about five and a half percent on yeah. those shares. So. How did you, I, I'm curious, I want to know, why did you pick SCHD? What what led you to buy that first tranche of SCHD way, way back in the year 2018? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, well, one of the things I was doing when I wanted to pick my own stocks is I looked at the mutual funds that I'd held in the past in retirement accounts. And I, I noticed that the expense ratios were really high. Like you're, we, I was paying a ton, like talking 2% on some of these like Canadian mutual funds. It's, it's even worse in Canada. So one of the things I was looking for was an ETF because I wasn't confident enough to, to choose individual stocks. And so I was looking for an ETF and wanted low expenses. I was on Schwab and Schwab had a list of preferred ETFs that you didn't have to pay a fee to buy because it did cost a $4.99 per transaction back then to buy stocks. So this list contained SCHD and a bunch of other Schwab ETFs and a bunch of other uh, you know, it had Vanguard and stuff that, that, but they had, you know, filtered them through and picked out ones that were pretty solid. So I felt like I had a good list there. And then I found, I, I love the idea of a dividend already from, I remember my dad, when I was a young kid and it would have been in the eighties, like we were talking before the show, I'm 47. So I'm just a little bit older than Russ. So this would have been in the eighties. And my dad had told me, you know, we were talking about what would you do if you want a million dollars? And you know, I was probably, I, I would have bought Transformers and GI Joes, you know, yeah. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> but he was like, well, have you ever thought of this? You know that if you put a million dollars in, into a, an account, you could get at that time, like 10% interest. He just threw out a number. Like if you have a lot of money, you can get a good interest rate and 10%. And I'm like, oh, wow, whatever. And, but he's like, do you realize that's a hundred thousand dollars a year? And to me as a little kid, I was like, oh, I like that's real money. That's nice. And you don't ever have to spend the hundred thousand dollars, the hundred, the million dollars. You just get a hundred thousand dollars every year. I'm like, wow, that sounds good. And you can keep, you can keep buying toys with that. You can buy all the He-Man figures you want. I have to shower. He-Man. So right away I I was, I was hooked before I knew it. So when I started picking my own stuff, I said, you know, this is going to be so much safer to pick something that had a little uh, dividend to it. Um, but I, I did feel like the ones with a ton of dividends seemed too much, you know, too little, didn't seem like enough. I was looking for the Goldilocks, you know, something right in the middle, something that looked decent. And at the time it was only paying two point something percent, but the expense ratio was low. Um, you know, I had a good number of stocks in it. It looked solid. It had performed fairly well. Again, not the best, not the worst, but I knew that, you know, past returns weren't certainly what you're going to get in the future. So he couldn't go off of what was doing the best. So I picked something sort of just in the middle <laughs> and uh, you know, and funny it was the first stock I ever picked. And then it years later after seeing it go up and up and up and just chug along steadily, it's, you know, after trying everything else and making a hundred different mistakes, I just, I came back to it because it was, it was such a good thing. And, you know, and if I had just invested most of my money in that, I would have saved myself a lot of, I would have made a lot of money and saved myself a lot of trouble. So now I'm back. I still make mistakes, but I also uh, now I try to make the majority of my mistakes and in, mistakes into SCHD and hope that it works out in the long run. And uh, I think it will. Well said. And dude, we don't have to make our money back the same way we lost it. Right. I know I've tried. Believe me, I've I've tried with penny stocks and uh, it's it just has never worked out. I think that's so interesting that a lot of our younger uh, or even not even younger, just people that weren't investing on their own 
I don't realize that you had to pay fees, uh, tra com trading commission on just buying a stock. Buying one yeah. stock could cost $5 in trading commission. So we, we all have Robinhood to thank for that. And yeah. yeah, I was on Robinhood when I got my start in because I remember I was looking and like Scott trade and me trade. And I was like, $5. I was like, there's got to be something. I put in commission-free trading and Robinhood popped up. It was new back then. And I'll admit it. The I way we went, it. But I like it. Robinhood is, uh, you know, Good or bad, you know, whatever's happened in the past, you know, people have issues with it, but it's a, a slick app. It's really easy to use. Option selling is beautiful on there. It's so easy to use. And the trouble is it's too easy for beginners, I guess. You can, it's really easy to blow. Yeah. Mistakes. But if you know what you're doing, it's not bad. And Robinhood Gold now, not a, not a paid advertisement, but you $5 a month and you get, um, it's up to like almost 5% on uninvested cash, like automatically. Your money that's sitting in there, and then with that as well, you get like Morningside, uh, Morningstar, like the paid data from them too. So you get like fair value, and you get their whole like wide mode analysis and all that kind of stuff. So you get the research. Yeah, it's it's actually it's you not know that that's funny that you say that because I've actually thought about because sometimes I think you know I, I like looking at charts, doing a bit of technical analysis. That's when you look at the charts. But as we've talked about before, is that you can't predict what's going to happen by looking at the charts. The charts are just your past movements. And I've read a random walk down Wall Street. And he even says in there that it, so much so is you can't know what's going to happen in the future, especially not by looking at past price activity. And the way we know this is because if you could, then chartists would be some of the richest people on the planet and there would be one established way and everybody would do it. Kind of like the financial statements. Same damn thing, man. Yeah. If uh, you could get rich, if you knew what was going to happen in a business by looking at the financial statements, what's happened, then accountants would be the richest people on the planet, but that hasn't happened. So you can't do that. I they think I might open up a, a trading account. I might use Robinhood and dump, you know, 10 bucks, 50 bucks in there, whatever, just to yeah. see if I really am that smart until I lose it. And I'm like, yep, I knew it. I'm not that yeah. smart. The options myself. trading is real slick on there. Like it's. I'm, so I'm, do you do options trading? We won't. Yeah, deep into this, but I do. I, I I do all right. Like I'm, I can like I like we're talking about. I have a pretty big portfolio because, and the reason is, is like uh, you know, I I sold a house before I moved to Florida. I sold my house in Toronto. Real estate had just skyrocketed in Toronto in that area, so we did really well. And I was able to put that money aside, and I, I decided not to pay off my mortgage or, or not put as much into my mortgage down here and invested it slowly over you know from 2018 until now and because i this have maybe a little this may be a little self-indulgent but i i gotta know just what what options are you selling are you doing just simple calls and puts or are you doing different strategies or yeah well doing? yeah i like to sell i selling options so uh which is like being the casino instead of the gambler right so i'm selling calls and selling puts i like to sell puts on stocks i'd like to own um so getting paid to wait you know, to get the price that you want. So you can pick a price, a lower price and get paid. And if it never hits that price, you just keep the money. If it does hit the price, you wanted to buy it at that price anyway. So, woo, you know, good stuff. But the problem is you've got to do a hundred shares. So it's, it gets pricey, right? And then the same thing on stocks I own, uh, I try to get to a hundred shares at least so that I can um, sell options. And I'm very, I'm pretty conservative with it. You know, I'll take a strike price that's, you know, we're pretty far out of the money for the most part, unless it's something I want to get rid of. Like sometimes I'll pick something close, get a good premium on the contract and then 
you know, and if it gets taken away, it gets taken away, right? Like I've heard you you do that sort of thing as well, I believe. Uh, gently, I kind of, uh, I've been, I get greedy. <laughs> I get yeah. greedy. A lot of you that this might be over your head with if you're not too familiar with options, don't worry. Took me a good solid couple months of learning just calls and puts and covered calls how to do that. But yeah, I, I always look for the higher premiums, which has a higher chance of getting called away. And that's mm-hmm. fine if, if you're running a wheel uh, strategy really quick. Just throw a name out. What's uh, do you do the wheel? And if you do, what is one of your one really. two favorite really, wheel like, stocks? I, I don't plan on that. Like if it happens that, that like I lose, you know, if something gets called away and I like it, you know, then I'll buy a sell a put to get it back. Like I do that, but not. Yeah. I don't usually plan it. Like I'm not saying, okay, let me get this here because I think it's going to sell this and collect this much money and then put it back in and into a, a put and buy it back. Like I don't plan it out like that. But like what I do, I make about a thousand dollars a month. So it's it's nice, right? And which is all go back into investing. So it's, that's another thousand dollars a month. I can invest that. It's work. It is a lot of work. You got to pay attention to it, especially when I have as many going. And some of them, I'm, you know, I'm in trouble. You know, like I've had to roll out, and you know, I'm still paying the price for some mistakes I made early on. You know, stuff I had to oh, roll tell out. Tell me about it. Yeah, you, you learn. <laughs> like you, you, I heard you I say I could tuition. You're paying your tuition to the market for learning this stuff, right? Yeah, two things. When you make a mistake in investing, because you are going to lose money. It's just. The nature of the beast is you will lose money. Just don't want to lose something that's going to destroy you financially and financially ruin you. But that's any money lost is your tuition and to learn from a mistake. And you should never, ever feel bad about making a financial mistake as long as you don't make it again. Because the first time it's a mistake, the second time it's a choice. So we don't want to make mistakes and choose to make mistakes. I don't know. Like I was going to wrap that up all slick and sweet, and it just didn't flow out at all. Yeah. And because I'm thinking of the next thing I want to ask you, which is what do you like or dislike about SCHD? And you can kind of tie that into what are your, I don't know, future plans, immediate and long-term plans with good old Skid SCHD. All right. Yeah, like the last time, like we've said already, like I'm up to um, over 1,200 shares now. The last time we talked, it was in March of this year, 2023, and I had 617. So I've doubled my power since then. <laughs> I've doubled, doubled my shares since then. So yeah, so in those dips, we got down to 69 and change in the 70s. I was going crazy. And it, you know what? And it's not easy when everyone's telling you when something's going down and everyone's telling you this thing's going to 50. This thing's, you know, it, you you wouldn't believe, you probably know this, the comments you get on Twitter. When things are going down, like people think it's never going to stop. When things are going going up, they think it's never going to stop. So the comments I was getting, oh, why are you throwing your money away? Oh, you've got nothing. You're all this time investing and you're breaking even at best. They're like, ah, you're a little... 3% dividends not going to save you. <laughs> and I was like, it's okay. I believe in this. It's okay. And uh, no, I kept buying and bought and bought and bought. And like I said, I doubled my position. And um, the reason I do is that SCHD is just, it, I, I look, it's a triple threat. It's got amazing dividend growth. It's got a great starting yield. But, you know, other stocks that have starting yields like SCHD does, they don't appreciate. And, and, and this appreciates, the capital appreciates very close to the S&P. It won't always keep up with the S&P, but it's done pretty well historically. 
and it doesn't need to. You know, when you've got a, a nice yield coming in, it doesn't necessarily need to. And it's something that is, again, it's different from the S&P. So if something crazy happens to the S&P, maybe it doesn't happen to SEHD. It gives you that diversity. And it tends to have higher lows in bad times. So that's nice. And that's why it outperformed in the last couple of years when things were hitting the fan in uh, the end of 21 and through 22. Uh, SCHD held up really well. So it's nice knowing that if a recession does happen now or in the future, it'll probably, uh, it'll hold up. It'll go down with the market, but it'll hold up probably better. And we have to, we, right, we have to look at it because of, it's when you buy an ETF and you always have to know that you're buying the underlying, that's what you're investing in. I don't care what the name of it is, what the crazy thing they put on it. You have to always understand what you're investing in, what you're buying and what it may do. And the top 10 holdings, I'm going to read them here real quick. We've got uh, at the tippy tippy top, uh, making up 4.28% is Broadcom, followed by AbbVie, Home Depot, UPS, PepsiCo, Cisco Systems, Amgen, Coca-Cola. Texas Instruments and Chevron. And those top 10 make up 40% of the 104 holdings of the top, the top 10 make that up of SCHD. And yet, like you said, the, the low payout ratio 0.06%. So for every $10,000 annually, you're going to pay $6, which is really, really low. Uh, and it's really nice to have that backbone. And like, you know, industrials make up 18%, financials are 15%. All the sectors represented except for REITs are not in there and utilities are 0.30%, so almost non-existent. But like you said, man, just the screening criteria wants to find some of the strongest blue chip dividend paying stocks. And that's kind of going to be what we're going to fall back on, right? Yeah. And I love the screening process it uses. Like, And that's what really sets it apart. A lot of ETFs don't use such a thorough uh, filtering that SEHD uses. Like, it, it looks at fundamentals. Most ETFs don't do that. They're just tracking an index of the biggest American stocks, the biggest Chinese stocks, whatever it is. There might be a few filters, a few other things they look at. But SEHD has tons of rules. And it follows them. And it's not an emotional process. It's not like we're high on this stock, we're low on this. We're, there's nobody saying, I'm going to pull this out because I don't like the way it feels today. You know, none of that's happening. We can do that on our own. We can make those mistakes on our own. Let this just be cold and hard facts. And, you know, and it's tend to work. Trust the process. It tends to work. So when it dips, you know, I always feel it's going to it's going to rebound pretty well, like the good, solid dividend stocks do. There's a lot of examples of bad dividend stocks, but this SEHG has a good process of finding, for the most part, really strong ones, right? Every year it reconstitutes and a lot of us, myself included, yeah. uh, were upset when Indeed. they put Ford in and pulled something like Cummins out. But since that inclusion, Ford has outperformed the S&P 500 on a total return basis, but I think like 7% as of this recording, which is nutty. You know, I would never buy Ford outright. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the telecoms. And I know we've chatted about AT&T and Verizon and things like that. But to sum up my thoughts on Ford and telecoms is I'm learning to stay away from businesses that are highly competitive and they have to spend a lot of money on uh, capital expenditures. They have to invest in the business and research and development. And it just, it's a big suck to try and remain competitive. So we're looking also for companies that have uh, had have a bit of a moat. And I think SCHD in and of itself is a bit of a moat. 
in the land of the uh, ETFs. Like, and that's the thing with like something like Verizon, like, you know, that's in there too. A lot of people would be scared to invest in it right now or hate it and whatever. But like, if something good does happen with Verizon, if it does rebound, which things that are beat up tend to do, uh, it can happen. We're going to benefit from it. If it mm, keeps getting worse, if it keeps getting bad, it could eventually just- a few let- you think of the beauty a few of lead cables issues, but think of the beauty in general, though. Think of the beauty of an ETF. The cream rises to the top and the crap falls out. So if something does get really bad and that's like, that's what I said about the financial stuff. I was never worried about the financial crisis with SEHD and all the financial stuff, because if they cut their dividend, if they really performed badly, eventually they'll be dropped from the index. They'll be there for a while, but all that does is lower the price for me today. But next year, in two, two years, five years, it won't matter. And I would have just got tons of shares at a low price. And then it just set up for a nice rebound. So it's not a horrible thing for an ETF to take some of these, what seem to be chances on companies that we might might not be so trendy right now, right? Quick question here from Dividend Dog on Twitter. Wanted to know what we would put into SCHD that is not already in SCHD. So what would you do? What would you say? Okay, of course, I trust the process of SCHD that we just talked about. So gun to my head, if I had to, I will play along. I, I would add, which is a kind of a cop-out because um, Home Depot is in there already, but Lowe's is not. Uh, I love Lowe's. Yeah. Uh, great company, great growth, a nice, you know, not a high dividend, but in the middle there somewhere, but it's growing definitely over 10% growth. So that's a nice one. I'd also, uh, you know, I agree with you, adding back Cummins would be nice. Cummins is doing great. It's got a nice dividend yeah. and it's growing too, growing that dividend. I think he asked what we would take out too. I would... If I had if, if I had to take something out that I wouldn't have any problems. I would take out Paramount and um, maybe Verizon. But after saying what I said about you know allowing things to rebound, well, maybe we'll see what happens. Yeah. So mine would be pretty easy. The chocolate Goliath. It would be Hershey's. Uh, they just got a huge moat. You know, we did the fun little thing with the Mr. Beast bar, and I don't think he's going to be able to bring the giant down. But they're just so strong. I don't think they're going anywhere. They got the theme park, really solid dividend growth. They're just just that huge chocolatey moat that not too many people are going to be able to cross. And we also had newcomer investor wanted to know what is not in the top 10 that we would like to see in the top 10 that's already inside of SCHD. I'll just jump in. Mine would be Snap-on. Solid company. Beautiful, beautiful. There's not a lot to find that's wrong with Snap-on. So I would have them in. How about you, sir? Yeah, Snap-on's a nice one. Um, And and yeah, and and just to clarify, it's in there, just lower down. So we're looking for stocks that are lower down um like not mm-hmm. in the top you know 20 so if i were to look down there i'd pick something like uh, there's a few in there like some of the um the financials the the, the regional banks but if i had to pick one i'd look at uh Watsco, which is an hvac company and it has a really nice yield current yield and dividend growth combo when you add them together you're getting 15.6 percent so it's got a 2.6 starting yield and a 13% five-year growth rate, uh, dividend growth rate. It's got uh, nice capital appreciation and a 27% return on invested capital. So, you know, I think nice. investors know this because know how good it is because it does look pretty overvalued right now. 
Um, but it's a nice one to have in there, you know, pushing up the, uh, the value of SEHD. I love it. So before we get out of here, I want to, I always love picks. What are you looking at? What do you, you know, what are you looking at buying? What's in top of your buy list right now? Well, SEHD taught me, you know, the power of using screens, like to filter out stocks using fundamentals. So that's one of the way I, I, lo- I look for stocks. Like I look at, um, not always starting yield, but starting yield is one thing, dividend growth, if they do pay dividends. Um, I also like to look at return on invested capital. So I'll put like three things in there, like a dividend yield over 2%, a dividend growth over 7%, and a return on invested capital over 10%. Just, just an example. I, I, there might be other stuff as well. But, and then I can able to find you know, some gems out there like that. Um, but then also like just there's some obvious stuff that I wait for pullbacks and it's always worked out for me. Your Apples, your Costco, your Microsoft. You know, Google dipped hard, you know, and I was buying Google when everyone again was like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? You know, we're in the 80s and now we're over 130. Right. Uh, Visa and MasterCard. Beautiful, beautiful companies. Massive dividend growth, low yield, but huge capital appreciation. I love McDonald's, uh, Lowe's I talked about. And then your your staple like uh, real realty income. So I am always looking for some uh, real estate because uh, SCHD doesn't carry any REITs. So for REITs, I look at O and uh, AMT, I like as well, the Tower REIT, and it's been beat up. So I've been buying, and of that, the ones I've been buying, I really haven't been buying many of those other than O and AMT. Another thing I do is I look at the cycles. So I'll look at like, I look, I track the 11 sector ETFs. So I'll look at, you know, the materials, industrials, real estate, um, you have it, right? Consumer staples, consumer discretion. And I look at what's performing the worst, even that given day or like a given time period. And if whatever's down the most, I'll look at those sectors and say, okay, what stocks do I like in that sector? Or do I already own and that I can add to? So right now, like utilities, it's August, you know, a utilities, real estate's been underperforming. So I've been buying NEP, which is one to look at. It's, it's, it's scary right now because it's down big. You've got a beautiful yield and beautiful dividend growth. Check that one out, NEP. UGI is a um, utilities company, and it's it's really beat up right now. pays a nice dividend. It's a stable company. I've read a lot of articles about it. Do your research. But uh, it looks like it'll have a nice rebound as well. So, And then oil, the energy stocks look to be, you know, it might be getting ready for another breakout. Maybe not. Who knows? That's very, uh, it's a little crazy with, with the energy stuff. But I've been looking at, I have Chevron already, and I've been looking to add possibly to Chevron. It looks a little expensive, but if, if you know, if energy starts going again, like it did in 2022, that could be nice. Um, and I love EPD. I think you're in that one as well, right? And, I'm waiting uh, for them to pull back a little bit though. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for that. I think it now, I was trying to wait under 25, but now I'm just like, you know what? If this gets back in the 25s anywhere, I'm buying because it doesn't seem to want to get back under. So maybe it's not. Management good. too. It's, management's been by they said they were buying in the 25s that's kind of their target right. range for buybacks yeah it's solid a great dividend they always grow it um and it's just steady it's it's one of those stocks that can just hold up your portfolio it's just it's solid and um then the, when the financials were hit I, you know i was buying usb uh tfc which is truest financial um bank of america and jpm and last one I just bought back into Target. Yeah, I, I've been really lucky with Target. Like I sold out in the 200s the first time, then bought back when it was in the 140s. And then before all this drama started, I sold again at 160 something, 
Then this drama started, it dropped way down. I waited, I waited, I go, I'm not gonna jump in too soon because I've done that before. And it's, it's come up from like the 120s, you know, up to like 135 and 130s now. So I bought back in and, you know, we'll see how that goes. So I do tend to take chances like that when, when solid companies drop and there's drama. I find that years down the road, like no one remembers what happened, but uh, the stock price is up, <laughs> you know, the stock price got killed for, you know, some sort of exaggeration, something crazy like Apple. I bought Apple in the 120s and people were saying, don't buy it, don't buy it, it's dead. Like, it's great, we're talking about Apple, right? But I'm telling you, when it happens, when the, when the bad news is out there, it feels real and it's scary. But when those good companies go down and you don't see a reason, like a long-term reason, you really look through the details and avoid the noise, you know, that's when you gotta buy Apple, you gotta buy Costco, you gotta buy Microsoft. Like Microsoft was just down at 215 back in, I don't know, just a little while ago. And I'm, I should have bought more. I bought some, but I should have bought more. I was waiting for 200. I was waiting for 200. Right. And there you go. And, it, and, almost got there. and it doesn't hit it. So it's like, it's like in, um, in June, June 1st, I remember that there was noise about all the, um, the debt ceiling stuff, just noise. It happens every few years. Every time this comes up, there's all this noise and they, they get through it every single time. But SEHD there was still in the 60s, 69, and it was play, it was every day it was going down, down. It looked like it would go under 69, but it never did. And then June 1st, I remember, some news came out and it sounded like to me, I'm like, oh, this thing is over. I've got to buy now while it's still under 70. And I bought in the after, I went back and looked. I went, I bought in the after hours it dipped under 70 because I think it went a little up. It was going 70, 70, 69, 70, 69. After hours, I bought just 3,000 bucks into, uh, into SHD right there at 69.98. Locked that in. And then and, and I bought two shares since. It hasn't seen the 60s since. I think that the big lesson there is to not follow the herd. You yeah. know, it's just tune out the noise. And don't follow the herd. You got to have your own convictions for buying things. But what helps me sleep well at night when I miss things in like Microsoft, I was, I specifically remember being like, it'll get to 200. That's when I'm going to start adding right at 200. And for me, it's just, I didn't deserve it because for whatever reason, I didn't pull the trigger, my risk tolerance, whatever it may be, I didn't buy. So you can't fret over something yeah. you didn't do. And you just have to say, well, that was my mentality. That was my disposition. And I don't deserve to have been in on those gains. I'm still exposed through mutual funds and yeah. things like that. So I still got exposure. But I want to give you exposure and thank you again for just coming on, you know, being such a cool guest. And where can people in this wide, wide, wonderful world get a hold of you if they so do wish to do so? I've got one bold claim to make before I tell everyone where to do find it. And, Drop and, it. And they can attack me or they can, whatever they want to say, comment on this. This is my bold claim. I think over the next 30 years, SCHD, S-C-H-D, could get you similar results to what Warren Buffett got with his investment in the 90s with Coke. And I'm saying that because if you know that story, basically Warren Buffett's shares of Coke now, uh, his initial $1.3 billion, he, could, he pays that off every two years with dividends alone. Now consider from 1994, when he first started, I believe, to 2022, uh, Coca-Cola's average annual dividend growth rate was 8.45. The starting yield, probably around the same, probably 3%. That, that I didn't, 
I'm almost sure it's around that, which is the same as SEHD. But it's the growth that really matters anyways. SEHD's 10-year average growth rate, as you said earlier, is 12% right now. Probably won't continue at 12, but could it stay at 8% over the next 30 years? It's possible, right? So if it was able to stay at over 8%, it's possible that it could give you the same sort of results that Warren Buffett got with Coke, which is crazy to think, but it's really not that crazy. And it actually has a really good chance because there are 100 different stocks in there that are being, you know, the top, the cream rises to the top and the bad stuff will drop out. It actually, to me, has a better chance of being able to keep up that dividend growth rather than focusing on one company that something could change. They could lose their mode or whatever. So that's my bold claim and I'm sticking to it. You can find me on uh, Twitter at at SEHDETF and you can uh, debate me on that. Dude, I'm going to hope everyone goes there, but I will say now I got to end it with saying, I think, I think he bought those that first tranche in 1987, just after the market crashed. I believe I could be wrong. And yeah, this might, be yeah, actually might be right. You know what, I say. got this information from a graphic and I'm looking at that 1994 number two. And I'm like, wait a second, That's, that infographic might've been wrong, but may, I think it was talking about how much money he made between 94 and 22. So yeah, and the crash might have helped. 94 may have been the last tranche because I think he bought it from 87 and to the early Until 90s. 90. I could be wrong. But, but still, it's pretty, amazing. Just, it's pretty amazing what, you, what can happen with you know 8% dividend growth over 30 years, right? Even if it's 6%. And, and one fun thought that I've, I'll speak, I'll put words in the, the, the words, I'll put words in the wise mouth of Charlie Munger and he'll, he would push back and say, I don't know who's right. We'll check back with you in 30 years. You have to come back on the show and we'll talk about it when we're in our seventies. But Charlie Munger has said that the more diversified you are, the harder it is to get just gigantic returns because when you pare it down to a few positions that you're highly convicted in and they do pop, then that really moves the needle. But being over diversified, it's really hard to move the needle. But that's to just splitting hairs. And for the most of us that aren't Charlie Munger, like that's, you know, putting Babe Ruth under the microscope and up on the table. <laughs> but anyway, Either way, it's you're going to make money. We're going to make money. We're going to do well. And I think that's part of it. And I love the bold claim. And dude, I hope to still be invested in SCHD in 30 plus years. All right. We're going to leave it there. Follow Craig on Twitter at SCHD. What was it again? It's I messed it up. At SCHD ETF or just look up SCHD Stan and you'll find it. Beautiful. Everybody, thank you for watching and we will see you in the next one. So long, everybody.